Hey, this is Greg Sanders. Thanks for listening today. It's our hope that this message will help you connect to God, grow in His Word, and serve the kingdom in a greater capacity. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. Today I want to talk um, to you about praying bold prayers. For the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about praying bold prayers. Next week, uh, we're going to talk about how to go from apathy to action. The week after that, we're going to be talking about how to go from broken to restoration. But today, I want to talk to you about asking the Lord to help us when we have moments when our faith seems weak. Do you ever feel like there's moments when you believe, but you're not very, you're not sure if you believe enough? Do you ever, do you ever come across facts or situations that make you think, I'm not really sure I believe what I'm seeing. I'm not really sure if I believe what I'm hearing. I'm not really sure if I believe that at all. Maybe you, maybe you saw something on social media one time and you thought, this seems like an incredible deal. I mean, look, I can get a I can get a uh, you know I can get a two hundred dollar fishing pole for twenty nine ninety nine on this special ad on social media, and you spent the twenty nine ninety nine and your fishing pole never came. You ever done that? No, you're too smart for that. I understand. Just just me. Or maybe you heard something too good to be true, or maybe you heard something that was so far fetched you thought that can't be real. Have you ever heard of the book or, or the uh, the thing called? The Guinness Book of World Records. You ever heard of that? Um, it's full of feats and character traits and, you know, um, qualities that really, sometimes I look at it and I think, is that really real? Like, I'm kind of slow to believe sometimes what I see. Like, there's one guy, if you go to the webpage, I just snatched it off the webpage. There's one guy who has the world's longest mustache. So long you can wrap it around his arm. Over seven feet long. That is a lot of facial hair, wouldn't you say? And I look at that and I think, is that really real? I mean, does he really walk around with seven feet of stash every day? I mean, where does he stash the stash? It's all I want to know. I'm not sure if I believe it. There's also a picture on there of the world's oldest base jumper. Gentlemen... 84 years of old, still goes base jumping. Maybe he thinks at my age I have nothing to lose. I'm not sure. Uh, There's another guy who has the car with the most miles on it. His car, I think it's like a a 70s or 80s model Volvo, has been over 3 million miles. I read these stories, I see these pictures, there's, there's other pictures on there with people whose face can like stretch around their ears almost, it's just like, I didn't want to, I was afraid some of you might get, you know, grossed out, but I look at it, and I was just like thumbing through those things, and I thought, this has to be, you know, computer generated, this has to be photoshopped, photo edited, there has to be something going on in these situations like this, this can't be real. You know, we live in a world that, that especially 15, 20 years ago, uh, people were saying, we are living in the information age. How many feel like we're living in the information age, right? You heard that term? Because anything you want to know, you can just what? Google it. 
or anything you want to learn how to do, you can just YouTube it. One day I don't know how to fix something on my car. Ten seconds later I did because YouTube. I thank God for YouTube. It has saved me a lot of trouble, but I must also tell you it has gotten me in trouble because it looks easy on YouTube, not so easy in my bathroom. Just a little plumbing issue there. But we also don't just live in the information. We don't just live in the information age. We also live in the, the disinformation age. You remember the, I think it was the State Farm commercial or Progressive. Somebody had a commercial a few years ago that says you can't, just because it's on the internet doesn't mean it's true. Remember that commercial? How many of you understand just because it's on the internet doesn't mean it's true? Okay. Oh, some of you are like, I thought it was all true. (laughs) It's not all true. Like when when I was a kid, it seemed like if it was written down, it had to be true. But today it doesn't matter. It's not all true. Well, Pastor, why are you saying all this stuff? Because I think all of this information and disinformation, it's had an effect on our faith. Where we as believers have become so cynical and sometimes it's even a little bit wisdom to not believe everything you hear. But sometimes we've let that, that leak into our faith in the Lord and sometimes we believe, well, may, maybe, maybe that's true for some, but not for me. Maybe God does that for others, but not for me. Maybe the word means those that, that truth was real in that age, but not this age. And it, it begins to bring questions and doubts to our faith. Uh, we, we, there was a lot of talk a few Seems like it's been a couple of years ago. I'm not sure if this is still a big topic of conversation. But there's a big topic of conversation a few years ago about deconstruction of faith. How many heard of that? Deconstruct faith deconstruction, where people were actually challenging one another to take your faith and kind of peel it back layer for layer and really examine what is your faith built on. And I'll tell you, I've never had to deconstruct my faith because life has tried to deconstruct my faith for me, right? And I would just say this, if, if you feel like you're having to deconstruct your faith, either A, your faith wasn't very strong to begin with, or just you haven't experienced very much life yet. Because life has a way of trying to deconstruct your faith. My biggest challenge has never been to deconstruct my faith. My faith, my challenge has always been to make sure I'm walking in faith, building my faith. And so, but I, I say all that to say this, God is not afraid of your doubts or your questions. And we're going to look at what do we do when we feel like our unbelief is ruling the day. Mark chapter 9, an account with Jesus. There's a father who has a son who is tormented, who is, his son is being destroyed by the work of the enemy. And they bring him to the disciples. The disciples can't heal him, so they bring him to Jesus, and here's, here's what takes place. Mark 9, 19. O, believing, or I'm sorry, o unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him, and when the Spirit, that's the, 
demonic spirit that was in control of this young man. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into convulsion. He fell to the ground, rolled around, foaming at the mouth, and Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? I think this is an important question. If you've got a real live Bible, you might want to underline it or highlight it in your phone this morning. How long has he been like this is a question Jesus asked from childhood. It's often thrown him into fire, into water to, to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus. Everything is possible for him who believes. Does that statement challenge anyone in this room today? Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And when Jesus saw the crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you come out of him and never enter him again. I'm thankful when Jesus works in our life, he can do a work that those things that once tormented can never torment again. Amen. I'm thankful that's the kind of God we serve. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. I'm not done reading yet, but, but Father, I pray this year you would help us as a church to reach out to people who look like they're dead. And with the power of Jesus, help them stand up again. I pray for families that look dead to be able to stand up against. Uh, stand up against. I pray for those who have addictions that have ruined their life to be able to stand again. Lord, don't do that around us. Do it through us. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind, this kind can only come out by prayer. Father, we do pray this morning that you will let the word of God work. First, let it work in me. Then, Lord, let it work in all of us. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you will speak to our hearts, our minds, you'll reveal what the Holy Spirit wants to say to us. God, anoint and guide my lips today to only speak what you want spoken. And we challenge ourselves, we commit ourselves to respond what the Word of God would say to us this morning. And we'll give you thanks for it. Everybody in the room said amen. One of the most painful, desperate conditions in all of life, I think, has to be having a child in need and you not be able to fix it. I've seen many children who have been sick, who have been going through horrible situations, and I don't, I don't know that, I've, never, that I've, I've ever met a child who was going through a tormenting situation where the mom or dad would not gladly say, let the child be healed and let me be sick instead. Let the child be, be healed and let me be tormented instead. Most every parent would gladly, when, when your kid is sick, or even when some, one of the family member that you love is sick, most of us would, would willingly say, let it be me in the place of pain instead of them. How many know that to be true? It's, it, it, is, it is so debilitating to want to help 
and not have the power to help. And if you have a, someone you love that's been physically sick or have a diagnosis over them, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Or if you have a loved one that's, that's been in the, the chains of addiction, you know exactly where, where you, want, you want to help them. You would do anything to help them. You just don't have the power to help them. That's exactly the, the frame of mind by which this man comes to Jesus. He has a son that he dearly loves. He dearly wants to help. He spent probably his entire life trying to afford some sort of help, going to person after person, doctor after doctor, whatever place, trying to get some sort of solution, and nothing he tries works. Maybe you've been there. This trip to Jesus, I believe, was probably a last-ditch effort. Just a glimmer of hope, this man says, Lord, if you can do something, please have mercy on us. And by this man's own profession, he, he says, I mean, he, he says, I, I've, got, I've got some faith, I've got some hope, but I've also got some unbelief, I've got some doubts. This man was a bucket full of faith, hope, doubt, and unbelief all in one bucket. How many in this room are man enough to say, I'm kind of the same way? Right? I got a little bit of doubt. I got a little bit of faith. I got a little bit of hope, but also got a little bit of fear. There are some people that say, well, if you're really spiritual enough, your faith and your hope will, will, it will just send that doubt and fear to, to Tokyo. He'll, he'll get it away from you. I don't think that's true. Faith always makes steps in the face of doubt. Faith that doesn't have to overcome fear isn't even faith. That's why they're called steps of faith. Faith is strongest, it shines brightest in the midst of darkness. And so this man comes to Jesus, he's a bucket of all of it. And Jesus says, hey, I can do something. Not, not, not can I do something. He says, I can do something. It's important to remember that the greatest part of any healing, any miracle, any deliverance is always, part, always played on the part of Jesus. You know, Matthew chapter 17, the disciples asked again, you know, same, same question. Why can't we do something? And Jesus said, it's because you have so little faith. He said, but if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. How many heard this scripture before? If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, how many know what a mustard seed is? It's a little bit, I brought me some. It's a little bit smaller, and then I dropped some. Let me drop some more. Y'all see that? I didn't think so. That is a mustard. Let me see if you can watch it bounce. Did y'all see it then? That's a mustard seed. First pastor I worked for said, if you ever see something on the floor, don't pick it up, you're fired. So I didn't want to get fired. Mustard seed, small. If you have faith 
of a mustard seed, you can say to a mountain, move, and it has to be moved. That's what the Word says. But somehow, we are so smart and so theological, most of us read that Scripture, and we come home with this belief, if I have faith of a mountain, then I can move a mustard seed. That's how most of us pray. Let me get, let me get enough faith so I can do something. When Jesus says, this is how much faith you need. So much faith, I can't even catch it. Right? Just, just a little bit of faith. Would one of y'all young men help me pick up that thing? Because I can't see it without my glasses. I'm just saying the biggest part of any miracle lies within Jesus, not within us. You can keep it. I got more. How can I overcome? Here's the question. How do I overcome the unbelief in my life? That's, how do I do it? How can we help other people overcome unbelief in their life? I want to give you a few, few starting points today. Number one, we have to consistently and constantly bring people to Jesus. Look at the words that Jesus said. When they brought him to Jesus and no one was able to help him, Jesus said, Oh, unbelieving generation. I wonder if we're living, living in an unbelieving generation. I think we are. Where it seems like people are slow to believe. But in the middle of this generation of unbelievers there were still some believers. And I believe in 2024, though we may live in a world that may be called the information age or the disinformation age, I believe there's still a body of Christ who's connected to the Word of God who, if you will dare to believe the Word of God, the Word of God will change you. But we got to bring people to Jesus. This man, how much faith did this father have? He had enough. To bring his son to Jesus. This past week has been our week of prayer. And by the way, just because the week of prayer is over doesn't mean that we are done praying for the next 52 weeks. Right? That's why I gave you those bookmarks. If you weren't here last Sunday, there's some on your pew today. It's not that we didn't clean up the church this week. We actually put those out on purpose. So you take home and put in your Bible or in your coffee table, wherever it is you might... Go by, and so we want you to be praying those things. Every Wednesday night, we're praying those things this week. We're going to pray bold prayers, and part of praying bold prayers is bringing people to Jesus. By the way, when I say bringing people to Jesus through prayer, I mean verbally. There's a difference between praying and wishing. Sometimes I think people just kind of wish in God's direction but they're not really bringing them to Jesus. How, do I, how can I bring people to Jesus? Let me, this is a, an acrostic, by the way, for the word believe. Number one, believe God for them. How do I bring people? The be and bring is believe God for them. Anytime it's your son, your daughter, your husband, your wife, or you in the midst of great need, all of a sudden, 
All of a sudden, your capacity to pray as boldly as you want to, as prayed as boldly as perhaps you have in the past, when it's your son, your daughter, your life that's being challenged, oftentimes your faith gets kind of mushy. But you can pray a bold prayer. You can stand in the gap for those who are in the middle of life situation for them. Believe God for them. You know, Ezekiel chapter 22, the Lord said, I look for someone who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land. I think God is, one of the ways we pray bold prayers is we pray bold prayers for those who may not have the boldness to pray in that moment. We believe God for others. Let me ask you this way. Who are you believing God for today? Maybe you are like on cloud nine, 2024 is starting off and a roar is wonderful, is awesome. Everything is up and to the right. Who are you believing God for whose life is not like that? You can bring people to Jesus. Your prayer is the number one way you bring people to Jesus. When I was a, when I was a youth pastor, I used to tell our kids to bring people to youth service, and I'd preach a whole, I'd preach a whole message off the word bring, and the, the B in and bringing people to youth service was always you begin in prayer. I believe before you ever bring someone in the doors of this church, the first step is to bring them before the Lord. The Holy Spirit will pave the way if you want to share your faith with someone. But the same is true when we want to pray for people. Believe God for them. Number two, recite Scripture for the, to them. And over them, it builds their faith. I investigate how you can be a practical help for them. In and bring is never give up on them. This boy had been in serious shape for a long time. I'm sure many people gave up. This father never did. And then give glory to Jesus. When he touches them, bring. You can bring people to Jesus. And I've discovered something happens when you bring people to Jesus. What happens is you end up bringing Jesus to them. I can't tell you how many times I've been in need of prayer, in need of God's miracle, and somebody just showed up and prayed for me. And they didn't know it, but in that moment, they didn't just bring themselves, they brought Jesus to me. Do you know you can bring Jesus to people? You can, sometimes we pray, God, let me be your hands and your feet. Let me be your mouthpiece extended. But can I tell you, many times you bring the presence of Jesus to people when you decide, I'm going to stand in the gap. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to believe for them. I'm just going to investigate and see what's going on. What can I do? I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give up on them, though everyone else has. I'm going to give glory to God. When you bring people to Jesus, what often happens is you end up bringing Jesus to them. And here's the thing, people need both. They need you to bring them to Jesus even when they don't seem interested. But when you're doing that consistently, you never know when, but at some moment you're going to bring Jesus to them as well. This father brought his son to Jesus, but he also brought Jesus to him. Number two, 
understand that faith is not opposed to the details. Verse 21, Jesus does something that I would naturally not do. He asked the boy's father, how long has he been this way? Time has a way of making hard things seem impossible. Time can be a loud speaker. Time has a way of making people believe that the way it is is the way it always will be. Time sort of, sort of, sort of, it, 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 it just solidifies that, that our life will never change. And so when, when Jesus asked that question, how long has he been that way? If I would have been one of the disciples, I probably would have cringed and thought, Jesus, don't ask that question. Because if it's been more than five minutes, it could feed our hopelessness. It could feed our doubts. It could feed our fears. And how many believe, you don't have to believe this, but, but I do. I think Jesus knew the answer before he asked anyway. I think when the, when the man brought his son, I don't think that Jesus was like, ooh, let me, hmm, I didn't know this was going to happen today. Maybe you do. I, I, think, I think everything that happened in the life of Jesus, Jesus knew it was going to happen before it happened. So when this young man approached Jesus or when was brought there by his father, and Jesus said, how long has he been this way? I don't think Jesus was asking for his benefit. I think he's asking for your benefit, my benefit, and the benefit of those around him, that they could hear the details of the impossible situation. And instead of providing more opportunity to focus on the issue, the reason Jesus brought it up, was he wanted people to know the depth of this boy's condition so they could also testify of the height of God's deliverance. You know, the, the, I, I, I grew up, a lot of times my parents would tell me this about certain things. I'll just ignore it and it'll go away. Just pretend it doesn't exist. Can I tell you, that's not a formula for faith. Pretending something didn't happen, pretending something doesn't exist, that, that's, not, that, that's not what faith. Faith, and, and I'm, just, I'm about to get on my soapbox and I'm going to apologize in advance, but I am, I am sick. I get, I get pretty angry at times. When I hear teachers, preachers, and sometimes parishioners say that faith ignores the facts. Faith pretends like nothing's wrong when something's wrong. The Greek word for that is this, baloney. <laughs> Jesus never asks you to pretend. Faith is not about pretending. Faith is not about wishing things were different. Faith is about believing that Jesus is who he says he is and he can do what he says he can do. Faith does not, it does not, it does not ignore the facts. It embraces that Jesus is greater than the facts. How long has he been like this? 
please say five minutes. If I'm in the crowd, that's what, please say five minutes. Please say five minutes. We haven't tried Tylenol yet. We haven't tried rebooting yet. We haven't tried any of that stuff that fixes everything. Say it was five minutes. But that's, that's not what happens. He's always been this way since he was a child. He's often, often thrown in the fire and the water and nobody else can help him. Faith does not ignore the facts. Faith faces the fact that Jesus is greater. I like what Romans says about our father Abraham, father of faith. He says that Abraham faced the fact. I love that verse, verse number 19. Abraham faced the fact. Faith does not run from the facts. Abraham faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. And yet waver not at the promise of God. The winds of unbelief are always going to blow. The winds of, of unbelief are always going to be blowing in your life. They're always going to be present. But that does not mean that, that you have to let them steer your ship or steer your life. Number three, what do I do with, what do I do with unbelief in my life? You exercise what faith you have in the midst of it. That's what you do. Point number three, you exercise your measure of faith. Look at verse number 24. I think sometimes we skip three important words when we talk about this dad. And the three important words was when Jesus said believe. His first words were what? I do believe. Can we say that those three words together on your mark? You said go. I do believe. Jesus said if you could just believe. Anything is possible with God. And the first three words of this dad was this. I do believe. But I've got some unbelief. And Jesus said, well, go back home. And when you get all that unbelief dealt with, call me back. Is that what the word says? You mean to tell me that though unbelief was present, Jesus worked with the little bit of belief he did have and did a miracle anyway. It's exactly what happened. The Lord is never concerned about the faith we don't have. He's always wanted us to exercise the faith we do have. He said, I do have some faith. It just doesn't seem like enough faith. Can I tell you this insight into a pastor's life? It never seems like you have enough faith. Because whether it's the problem you're facing or obedience to God that you're following, the mountain always seems bigger than you and always requires power that you don't have. But your faith is in the one that does have it. See, little faith is the doorway to great power. I'll say it to you this way. Little faith is evidence. You might want to write this down this morning. Little faith is evidence of enough faith. The man only had a little, but it was more than enough. See, our faith is not... We've put too much emphasis on faith in faith instead of faith in Jesus. As a parent, I have become keenly aware 
that I don't know it all. Not because my kids are telling me. I know some of you, your kids are older, and they're telling you that you don't know it all. My kids aren't even saying it yet. But I know that I don't know it all. And see, that bothers me because used to I didn't have kids, and I did know it all. Are you figuring out what I'm putting down? Before I had kids, I thought I knew how to be a great parent. But then I had kids, and I mean from the get-go. When Stella was born, we came home from the hospital, and my mother-in-law, Beth, she came home with us. Thank God. Because I didn't know what I, I mean, I didn't know what I was doing. You know the reason they put the word back on the back of a diaper? (laughs) For me, I didn't know. I didn't know anything. (laughs) I'm not sure how I got to that story. Oh, now I know. But, but now, now I know that I don't know, right? And the fact that I don't know at all, because now I know there's a whole... Sometimes some of you t- parents of teenagers are telling about the, the battles of your teenagers and internally, I'm just saying, shut up. Because I, I got plenty of... Don't... don't I'm not ready to face those facts yet. God gives me enough grace for today, not for tomorrow, so don't tell me about tomorrow. But I'm just saying, the the, the fact that I am aware of this big gulf of knowledge I don't have is actually evidence that I have more knowledge than I used to have. The only kind of people that are aware that they need more faith are people who possess faith in God. People who don't think they don't need any faith at all, you know those people all, they're they're called unbelievers. That's who who the people are that that don't need any more faith. The the people who are not aware that they need to grow in faith, those are unbelievers. But people who trust in Jesus, people who have faith in God, those are the ones that realize, I need more power than I have on my own. And that is a step of faith. This man admittedly, or admittedly said, I don't, I don't have enough faith, he thought. But then Jesus says, hey, if you have just a little bit of faith, the faith of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. Romans chapter 12, verse number 3. says, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment and accordance. Listen to this phrase with the measure of faith that God has given you. Where does, where does our faith come from? See the last few words of that scripture? Where did it come from? You don't muster it up, no pun intended. God gives it to you in a measure. And there's a lot of fun arguments about did God give everyone the same measure? How much faith did he give you? Well, how much salvation did he give you? 
enough or not enough? Do you need salvation plus a little bit more in order to be saved? No, no. Faith in Christ. He gave you more than you need to be saved. So do you think he's just going to give us partial payments in other areas of our life? No. God gives us a measure of faith. And whatever measure God has dispensed to you, that measure is enough for you to be successful in whatever the enemy's fighting you with today. You know, the apostles asked the Lord in Luke 17. They prayed this prayer. It sounds like a very spiritual prayer. They prayed this prayer. Jesus, increase our faith. Sounds like a good prayer. Maybe we should pray more often. Increase our faith. But at their desire for what seems very spiritual and a very good prayer to pray, Jesus doesn't say, I'll give it to you. Instead, he says, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it has to obey you. The disciples asked Jesus to grow their faith, and I do believe that, grace is, that, that faith is growable. But you have enough. God has planted enough in you to face the giants of today. Number four. I'm on a hurry. Number four. Don't believe that your immediate results are evidence of wrong direction. The question of the day was, help my unbelief. What what I do when, well, number one, don't believe what you see if what you see goes against what you're believing God for. This father asked Jesus to get his boy free, and instead of the boy smiling, instead of his behavior getting better, what happens? His behavior got worse. I've discovered a lot of times when I start praying for people who are running from God or people who are away from God, sometimes, the, sometimes it gets worse before it gets better. They brought this boy to Jesus, and instead of getting better, he got worse. I prayed for people whose marriages were in shambles, and instead of getting better, I thought maybe I need to stop praying for their marriage. I've prayed for I've seen wives pray for their husbands to get free from addiction. Instead of getting better, they get worse. Have you ever prayed for a situation that got worse instead of better? Why does this happen? I don't know. It could be that I, I like to think. Here's what I like to think. I don't have really any way to prove it, but what I like to think is the moment the church starts praying, the enemy knows he's about to start losing. And so he goes into overtime and overdrive trying to do what he can while he can because he knows that when the church is praying and putting their faith in Christ, his, his window of opportunity is shrinking. He knows his days are numbered. I just say that to say this, don't let your immediate circumstance dictate what you believe God can do. Because number five, the team wants to come. The way we deal with our unbelief is we depend upon the Lord. Jesus went indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why can't we drive it out? 
And he replied, this time, this, this kind can only come by prayer. Some translations also have the phrase and fasting tagged in there. And so many times we read that prayer, it only comes out by prayer, or it only comes out by prayer and fasting. And we, we misinterpret this to think that some way we can earn our miracle from God. Can I tell you, prayer and fasting is not how you earn anything from the Lord. You know what prayer and fasting is? It is evidence that you're depending on the Lord. You don't earn anything. You're just, you're heightening your dependence on Him. And see, your awareness of your need for God is perfect ground for a miracle to spring up. Jesus says you got faith like a mustard seed. He's telling them, he's telling us that our part is small. Is it necessary? Yes. But the miracle is on him. We're not called to be beggars. We're called to be believers. Some of you walked in the room today and you've just been begging God for a miracle. You've been begging God for a change in your life. And this morning, I want you to leave this place different. I want you to move from the mindset of a beggar to the mindset of a believer. I don't think God ever wants us to live our life as beggars. He wants us to live our life as believers in Him. Today, if you're facing... A situation and you've been begging God to make a change. You know you need God to make a change. I want to ask you, would you stand up right now? No music's playing, no, no fanfare. Say, I'm going to move from begging God to believing God. Financial, physical, whatever it is. You come and join me by standing. I want to give a gift to every person that comes, but then I'm also going to pray for you. Would you come to the front this morning? We're going to pray for you. Alex, you're not a beggar. You're a believer. Amen? I've never said this before. But I'm going to say it right now. No beggars allowed. Only believers. Only believers. Amen? One of the great mentors in Megan and I's life he used to do this every time we would pray for people to be, be baptized in the Holy Spirit he would he would always get out a dollar bill and I'm sorry I don't have a dollar bill but he'd get out a dollar bill and he'd hand it to someone and he'd say listen and he'd just give it to them and then they'd just take it he'd, here's what he'd always say if you try any harder to receive a gift from God than you did by just receiving that dollar from me, you're working too hard. Because our part is not working hard. Our part is it's not even believing hard. Our part is believing correctly. Do we have a do we have a indispensable part of the process? Yes. 
How big is that part? It's about that big. We're just going to believe right. That He's our Heavenly Father. He loves us. The Word says He loves to give good gifts to His children. What we're doing right now is we're making room for Him to give those gifts to these children of His across the front. The last thing I want to say before I pray, and I'm going to invite others to come and pray with us, one of the big shift changes, mindset changes that ever happened in my life was at some point I realized the people that I love and I want the best for, as much as I love them, God loves them more. And I want to say that to each of you this morning. As much as you love your children, care for your family, care for yourself, that's important to love yourself. As much as you do those things, God loves you more. He loves you more. Who, what other believers in the room today say, hey, I, I believe that God can do anything that's impossible with God. Would you, would you join us by standing today? Would you stretch these hands, your hands forward towards these? And I want to, love, I want to make sure our, our deacons, our trustee, trust, I'm sorry, our deacons and their spouses, our life group leaders and their spouses come forward this morning. We're going to ask you to come and find one of these up here this morning and pray for them. Others today say, Pastor, I, just, I believe in the power of prayer too. And you want to come and help us pray this morning, we're going to ask the Lord to do what only He can do. The worship team is going to start praying. If you're not praying with us, you can, you can sing along with them. We'll come back and pray a dismissal prayer in just a moment. So let's make this a focus of God moving His power this morning.
several are praying. I want them to continue to pray. But the rest of us, before I let you go today, would you join me in one more activity? Would you join me in bringing someone to the Lord this morning? Maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a school, someone, a friend from school that you know is in need of a miracle today. Would you let the Lord use you to bring them through prayer right now? And then trust Him, yield yourself to bringing Jesus to them once you're outside of these doors, however the Lord would lead you to do so. Would you join me in bringing some, maybe someone that used to serve the Lord, but they're no longer serving the Lord. Maybe someone facing a physical issue or financial issue. Maybe someone that you know is just lost and needs Jesus. Let's bring them to the Lord today. God, we bring those people to the Lord today who are far from you, knowing that those who are far from you, Lord, you want them near you today. Lord, I speak out over my friends today that you're bringing to my mind right now. Some of them have been we've been witnessing to for years, but Father, I declare that in 2024, I just choose to believe that this is the year that you're going to bring them from death to life. Lord, you're going to bring them from being out of the kingdom into the kingdom of God. So Lord, we just bring them to you in prayer right now. I pray for them and their wife and their child. I pray that today that whole family would come to know you in the name of Jesus. God, I pray for those who are facing financial impossibilities. Bring them, we bring them to you. Lord, be more than enough for them. God, I bring our, our church family who's in sickness, facing diseases today. We bring them to you, Lord. We bring them to you, Lord. We ask for miracles. Lord, our part is so small, but we're going to be faithful with it. God, it doesn't give us an excuse. Lord, it just it gives us a reason to be faithful because we're going to do our small part knowing that you're going to do the impossible part. Lord, do it today. We just speak that 2024 will be the year of the impossible things becoming possible because of the God we serve. Do it today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you believe with that prayer and thankful for the word today, would you give the Lord a hand clap today? We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Hey, God bless you. Thank you for worshiping with us. I am believing for your mustard seed to turn into miracles this morning. That's what I'm believing for as you leave today, that your mustard seed would turn into a miracle. Hello, this is Greg Sanders, pastor of the Assembly here in Cabot. I want to say thanks for listening today. If you are ever in the Cabot area, we'd love to have you join us for a service. For service times, check out our webpage at theassemblycabot.com. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a great day, and God bless.